Hey everyone, this is Amy Steele, also known as Ginny, from Friday the 13th, part two. And when I'm not studying up on child psychology, I'm listening to the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. Out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that knows the only good cruel thing in the summer is Bananarama. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, our shark shenanigans come to a close as we get some weird deja vu with Bruno Matai's Cruel Jaws. And whether you respect intellectual property or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your denture hole. You can also find us out on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and non-shark cyber shenanigans. <laughs> As this episode is releasing on Friday, September 25th, Screenland Armor has you covered indoors, outdoors, and virtually. Yep. And as this episode is releasing on Friday the 25th, if you're in the Kansas City area, our latest Friday Night Fright, mm-hmm. we're getting weird. We're getting weird and we're getting kinky. We're heading up north to our friends in Canada, so we're getting a little exploitation. We're not going to dream it. We're going to be it. We're getting, I not think... Not quite. Not quite. We're getting kind of the perfect combination of Cronenberg, where we're getting a little creepy and classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be viewing 1983's Videodrome. Long live the new flesh. Long live the new stream in the new... Vi- because uh, it's in person, so we are long living the new flesh. Well, and it's I. The last time I saw it was in the theater uh-huh. at, at Screenland. I think you were at that th- screening as well. And I remember watching the movie, going, "God, this movie is prescient." And that was a few years ago. Yeah. And now it still plays just as just as good mm-hmm. and just as twisted. And just as Cronenberg, very much Cronenberg. So again, come on out for that. Now, the next Friday night's fright will lead us into Shocktober, which we will get into that. Oh, yeah. But other indoor goodies uh, that weekend, the classic Kung Fu, just ultimate, the epitome of your classic Kung Fu films, Enter the Dragon, Mm. of which fucking with action to pay and everything fucking chussle just out there buckus this is john saxon jim kelly and bruce lee kicking all the behind and it is one of my all-time favorites one of the coolest movies of all time it really is cool the score is cool yeah everything about everything it is about cool. it is just cool the problem is though i saw fistful of yen first before I saw Enter the Dragon. <laughs> Not going to say it, it ruined it for me, but... Uh, I'm no dingling. <laughs> we also have another kind of uh, oddly weird movie, not uh, per se in the Enter the Dragon, but Austin Powers, The Spy That Shagged Me. Yeah, baby. A, a film that I haven't watched in a while, and I remember when I first viewed it, it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. And then it became that thing where all your friends started doing the, yeah, baby, yeah. do I make you horny? And uh-huh. not going to say the fandom ruined the movie. But there's a lot of it. But 
it's still a good movie. Well, I haven't watched it I in quite a while. I haven't seen it in a minute, but I remember seeing it in the theater and loving it. Absolutely. So. And then also one on a more somber note, Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Yeah. So again, a number of uh, number of genres being explored indoors. Now, outdoors as well, they've got you covered. And I was lucky enough here to host both of this weekend's outdoor screenings. Uh, Friday night was Best in Show, and Saturday night was Wayne's World. Uh, two wonderful comedies. Uh-huh. Two different kind of irreverent comedies. Yes, two totally, but still, like, very like you funny. said, very funny and very like, all right, cool, that's... I had to think about that joke for a minute. Exactly. There's a little bit of a pause there, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe that people that will come out for those kind of movies are, I'm not going to say intellectually superior, but I'd like to think that they are a little bit more comedically sophisticated. Yeah. They'll laugh. They'll, they'll, it, they will view things. And key, I kept that in mind as I did put together the programming. And for Best in Show, um, I had a little bit of some SCTV in the pre-show. People really responded. It was great. You do great with the pre-shows. It's, well, it's, it's pretty easy for the most part because you're just literally looking for stuff that people will have fun with. Still, I mean, it's... Well, thanks, though. Thanks. Yeah. But the trailer reel was very simple. It's a Christopher Guest movie, so I started with uh, Waiting for Guffman. Uh-huh. And, of course, people are reacting to the jokes in the trailer. Right. Perfect. It's a funny movie. Great movie. You're all bastard people. <laughs> <laughs> love that movie. Love uh, Christopher Guest. Followed that up with A Mighty Wind. Uh-huh. That's a great one, too. Another great one. And then the piece de resistance was I ended the trailer wheel with Cujo. <laughs> now, I wish you were there, my friend. <laughs> because... That nerd knowledge is perfect for best in show. It's fucking great. Well, it was really funny because I heard few laughs. Not a few laughs. Just few laughs. There were three people next to me that giggled under their breath when Cujo went. (laughs) Nary a laugh anywhere else. And as it ended, I threw the mic on and I was like, hey, you know, thank you all for having a sense of humor. Now, I told you this story and this is why we work well together because as I totally missed out. Now, let me just say this. I include this portion in my introduction. But what should I have thrown in there, genius? You should have came out and been like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did not capitalize that's how i could have won them back my friend but instead of like daintily thanking them for having a sense of humor <laughs> always roll into the joke yes <laughs> roll into the joke but uh this this on the outdoors this weekend uh, we're on friday night we're going to be looking at the coen brothers classic uh. raising arizona i love Love that movie. I see it once, at least once every two or three years. Well, it's also in the lexicon of the show because anytime we talk about... I'm talking about L'Amour. That is the origin of that. I just want to throw peanut M&Ms at a kid writing fart on the wall. Just one of these days like, hey, you cut that out. Funk. Holly Hunter's reaction when they first get the kid, when she starts breaking down that, I love him him so much. much. And then that fucking Francis Mendoza, he's just an angel. If you haven't seen that film in a while, it is top top Coen Brothers, top Cage, top Hunter, top everyone involved. Top Cobb. Yeah, oh, 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 Randall Cobb, <laughs> William Forsythe, John Goodman. It contains all of your favorite Coen characters. Yeah, that's and, a great movie. And it's a live-action cartoon, basically. Yeah. Now, another one that is a comedy, but also technically in 2020 is playing more like a horror film, but we're going to be viewing Mike Judge's idiocracy it used to play like a cartoon and now it plays like a documentary oh yes so. <laughs> truly a cautionary tale there <laughs> butt fuckers 
it, there are a few Fuddruckers commercials in the pre-show, of course. <laughs> it's low-hanging fruit. It's low-hanging fruit. But check that out. <laughs> now, of course, as this is going to be our last episode in September, that leads us into the month of October, which means... Bum, 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 bum. Two, Two more, more weeks, weeks till Nerdoween, Nerdoween, Nerdoween. Two more weeks till Nerdoween. All hail Satan. Satan. That's right, kids. It's almost time. So bring your masks and celebrate the Dark Lord with us. October 10th, Screenland Armor. Three mystery horror movies all revolving around Satan. That's right, kids. It's time. October 10th, Screenland. Our sixth Nerdoween horror movie marathon. I can't fucking wait. We have locked in the lineup. We have pretty much locked in the pre-show. Everything is ready. And when I when I when we say the jingle, it's always good. But only two more weeks, my friend. I know that's crazy. That's gonna hit us really quickly. Yes. And honestly, I can't. I think we're. I'm. I'm really excited for this year's lineup. I am too. We do have something. This is not really giving it away, but I'm gonna say we have something from the 70s. We have something from the 80s and something from the 2010s. The 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 teens. The teens. The teens. We have something from the teens. So something old. Something new. Something Satan. Soul and true. (laughs) (laughs) And also, of course, in the month of October. Screenland becomes Shocktober. They have so so much good shit. Thirteen ghosts on the fucking big screen. Shannon Elizabeth is in the house. I do believe you are going to be hosting a screening of From Dusk Till Dawn. And yes, if you are, I am. All right, movie lovers, come on out. It's going to be great. If you enjoy feline, you'll enjoy that. <laughs> uh, but check out Screenland.com for that. Now, then, also October seventeenth, the following weekend. Yes, October seventeenth at the Twin Drive-In, Kansas City Horror Club presents. Horror at the Drive-In, a diabolical double feature featuring Pumpkinhead and Trick or Treat, the one with Sam. And not Sammy Kerr. No, not Sammy Kerr. (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's cool to put the speakers in the car this time. You know, you can turn the radio on, you're fine. Um, No, but, um, and there's going to be a swap and shop with horror vendors. Uh, We got at least 20 vendors. It's going to be great. Um, And it's only $10 a carload. That's the coolest thing, because, like, it's a fun event and we know that times are tough for a lot of people so we want to make sure people can do cool stuff and the fact that if you don't feel safe getting out and about in and looking at the vendors that's cool you can stay in your car and yep. check out the cool two movies absolutely so, yeah and it, what i like is we're addressing indoors outdoors and the drive-in mm-hmm. we're making sure if you are a genre or horror fan there's going to be some goodness coming your way. And everybody's going to be socially distanced at the uh, during the vendor. So we, you'll be cool. Everybody will be cool. Excellent. Perfect. Just wear your mask and you're great. Uh, and it's it's in the month of October. Why wouldn't we be wearing masks? Yeah, we don't want to shut down the beaches. <laughs> That's right. And put a mask on a mask. Yes. Mask mask I believe they call that. It's that Japanese, or no, the Chinese art with a dance where they have all the masks on. Have you seen that shit? Oh, that shit is rad. It's very cool. It is very cool. And also another thing that is cool, virtually here on October 31st to November 1st, Panic Film Fest prevents, presents Trick and Treats. Mm-hmm. We are going to be offering a number of fine feature films, short films. There's going to be all sorts of like fun, fun stuff. Different events, podcasts, a number of events. Head on over to panicfilmfest.com slash tricks, where you can also submit your features, mm-hmm. submit your shorts. That sounds a little weird. We're not right. saluting, we're submitting. Camp on Awana, we hold you in our heart, and when we think about you, it makes me want to fart. Uh, 
I, I should have interjected, but it's been a while since I've seen that. Uh, but no, and of course, any kind of events and activities. So check that out. And I know that once they update the lineup, we'll be talking about it as well. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so many different ways here in the Kansas City area to help out some really good local businesses. And check out some cool stuff while you're doing it. Absolutely. You know? And again, if you're not okay with going indoors, outdoors, drive-ins, head over to ScreenlandOnline.com where mm-hmm. you can rent things virtually. And you can even help them out by going to Patreon.com slash ScreenLand where they do have very particular podcast. We host a number of things. Mm-hmm. Tips of the tier, if you will. We did something uh, our last shutter shout out was The Shed and Bliss. Which, my apologies to anyone that was in the post-discussion. Of the culinary delights that we discussed. <laughs> we do have sophisticated palates. <laughs> Finger licking good. Well, as long as we're staying classy and we're talking <laughs> Patreon and our film family, uh, this is the time at this point we would like to give a little shout out to our latest. Hey, bellies. Our latest Patreon pally, and a lot of the people that we talk about are fall into the familiar face phenomenon. Mm-hmm. What we've talked about before, where if they weren't a friend initially, they were always at the same movies we were at, um, just the same events where we realized we all have the same taste. Turns out we all get along really well. Right. But occasionally we run into strangers that somehow or another out in the wild enjoy just, our stuff, which yeah. is so. It still throws me off. It's it's the good kind of strangers, oh, not the course. ones with the candy or not the ones with, is Tamara home? <laughs> not that kind of stranger. And again, it doesn't happen too often. At, but it's, it's awesome, but it does, because you're like, oh, wow. Well, even more so than when it happens kind of virtually as well. Yeah. And it turns out that Wendy Muller, our latest Patreon pally here, someone we weren't familiar with at all, not necessarily local, and of course... Thank you for coming in and join our weird little film family. Mm-hmm. But when I was talking with her, you know, I mentioned, you know, thanks for coming on. Do you have anything to plug or promote? She's like, no, I just, you know, I like the, your guys' take on some of my favorite movies. So right there leads me to believe if Wendy was here in the Kansas City area, she'd probably come out for Videodrome. Yeah. Would have probably come out for The Hunger, which, by the way, with The Hunger, I know we got the sexy, but I forgot about all the sad that comes before the sexy. It's, it, yeah, it's a bummer jam but you know what i bet wendy would have been out there yeah she would have enjoyed it the loved ones she would have came out to uh black sunday of course because you know and i like to think also that because we are a podcast of positivity that people will also seek that out as well we're not just crapping on movies regardless but she also mentioned that she really enjoyed the commentaries oh, awesome which listen we always enjoy doing that and yeah. again quite honestly if we're at home watching a movie, we're not really chatting along. No. We might make some quips here and there. <laughs> Depending it, on the movie. Very much so. Because you could hear a pin drop during some screenings we've had. And, and there's some screenings you couldn't hear shit because everybody's laughing. But I'll be honest, I also do, the I listen along with the movie crypt commentaries. And sometimes I will watch with the movies, but a lot of the times I will just listen along. And I hopefully, Wendy, whether you are watching along or listening along, uh, hopefully it's like, you know, we're chilling there with you for the most part, mm-hmm. because honestly, that's what it is for us. Yeah. Always kicking back. In fact, uh, our latest commentary was seeds into <laughs> which we'll talk a little bit about because there's a lot of carryover here. <laughs> we but will. No, we will. Sincerely, Wendy, thank you for joining our film family. here. Wendy, you're fucking rad. And if you would like us to, you know, do a little plug in promotion or wax your car, come on over and join us. Uh, we're over at patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. Google gobble. Google gobble. Now. The end of September, my friend. 
Shark Timber. Shark Timber. We put this together carefully mm-hmm. uh, from from top to bottom. There's always a little bit of care and craft involved, especially when we put together a themed month. Yeah. And we had a very specific order to what we planned on covering. Uh, we knew from the get-go the first episode was going to be Jaws. Yeah, the the OG, the granddaddy. You can't have Shark... You can't have Shark Timber without talking about Jaws. Why not start with it and set the pre- set the bar high? Yeah, and then because nothing's going to top that one. And we're going to see how you know a lot of these films that came along afterwards that fall into the Jaws exploitation mm-hmm. realm. And we knew our next two films were going to be filling that era. And I knew right away Orca was going to be one of those. That was a wonderful watch, which I'm really glad we did. Yes, because it was a different experience than I remembered. But also shows you kind of what a shining example of what a Jawsploitation flick can be. Yes. Um, and then we realize... An animal revenge. Well, it goes so many different places that you don't expect yeah. a movie like that to go. On, so, the, on the same coin, we're, we're staying on... The- <laughs> truly, truly. But then we realized one of the, the next film that we want to throw in was going to be one of your choices. Yeah. And we're calling it kind of a genius wild card. Mm-hmm. And I think you had at least... Three. I had you... like about four or five that I wanted to talk about. Do you remember about. any of the titles off the top of your head? Ghost Shark, um, Shark and Saw Women's Prison Massacre, uh, House Shark, and Santa Jaws. I have heard of zero. No, I should. I've, I've heard a few of those, but I, I don't even think I could do an I've seen that <laughs> with any of those. And <laughs> they look amazing. I just didn't know which one I wanted to do because I genuinely like shitty movies i mean i i I, that's a bad terminology but low budget low budget like but it's a certain flavor there has to be a certain balance Mm -hmm. there has to be heart into it i think you can't go into wanting to make something bad i think it has to happen and it never comes out bad honestly it doesn't that's bad terminology too because if really if you put your heart and soul into something with who, genuine love who are two people that have never made a film in their life be able to you know sit there and call it shitty to you know say what that I'm it's saying? bad like, you know exactly i mean even like with a, the room you know yes it's hard to say that but well, i know i wanted something along with the the quote unquote bad shark movies showing you just how far the jaws exploitation films have extended mm-hmm. and a lot of those are all current for the most part are they not yeah and then if you think about it a jaws exploitation spawned another subgenre from itself cuz you had sharknado which is jaws in a tornado and that shar- that spawned into a whole nature and nature yep subgenre nature so. versus nature versus man right yeah we all lose in the end yeah but that yeah it just goes to show you the breadth of all of these films and the fact that again all from jaws and they're still going strong yeah some good because that was gonna be that was gonna be another wild card it's a megalodon because it's jason statham i saw that in the theater me too. i had a great time with it me too <laughs> needless to say it's though twice in the theater. we put that on pause for our good friend jill and obviously again oh, congratulations yeah. to everyone involved with the stylist so excited for the stylist thank you jill rob and sarah for talking with us if anything is gonna bump jaws it's going to be the style. This is going to be the GGP. And actually, I do believe it is playing this very weekend. Mm-hmm. Head on over to Fantastic Fest. There hopefully will still be some passes available. And you can go to the Alamo On Demand and get the uh, free rental codes. Mm-hmm. 
So support them. Do it legally. Yes. No pirating. No, the pirates walk the plank. And, and in Shark's Timber, you don't want to walk the fucking plank. The no. worst month to do that, my friends. <laughs> right? So we put the shark shenanigans aside, but we also knew I wanted to make sure we closed with a very specific movie, mm-hmm. one that said, I've seen that for me, and one that I knew would also be kind of challenging to watch. Um, and this leads us to 1995's Cruel Jaws. <laughs> now, I do want to say we've talked about Jawsploitation, and... There's another subsession or subsection of genre films that we've touched upon. Um, we've talked about some of the films, some of the directors, but that is of the Italian genre films. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily giallo. No, not at all. Beyond no, giallo. But for the most part, and I realized looking at this, I don't know if anyone has coined this phrase before, but I'm going to throw this out here into the, the universe, but cause and effect exploitation, Because what they would do is a lot of these Italian producers would find the latest fad and then they would go in and they would recreate it. And when I say, re, you know, usually when you think recreation, you think of homages and little hints that you're recreating certain scenes. So let's just say a movie like The Warriors plays well and Escape from New York plays well. Well, there are a certain number of films out there that, that put those two together, like uh, what was it, Future Bronx, nineteen ninety nine, or well, the whole Fred Williamson. There's a particular individual out there that is kind of the the Spielberg of the Italian knockoffs. <laughs> the Spielbergo, <laughs> and that is uh, Enzo Castellari, mm-hmm. and he he gave us just those films. In fact, he is responsible for uh, the Bronx Warriors. Um, hold on, just a second here. He also has. He's got um, a number of them, but what's really funny is with Enzo Castellari, he also had um, kind of a number of uh, his his normal players, if you will. Mm-hmm. So much like how John the Carp- Castellari stable, it's just that how John Carpenter had Kurt Russell, uh-huh. Enzo Castellari had Mark Gregory, and he's that the Italian beefcake dude with the flowing hair, mm-hmm. and he shows up in a lot of his films. Now, are you familiar with any of those? With the Bronx, yeah, that was that's what I was trying to grab right now. I think I have Bronx, uh, the future Bronx, and I have a couple of the Fred Williamson ones. So I like those like Italian movies with a like. Well, can- and it's 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 Escape from the Bronx, uh, Warriors the Wasteland, 1990, The Bronx Warriors. Yeah, and they are just so blatantly the Warriors. Escape from New York. Mad Max. Um, all into one. and Terminator in some of them. Oh, it is. And like I said, what's crazy is the fact that they're so blatant. Copy and paste-lation. Oh, yes. <laughs> there it is as well. Heightened again. It's crazy because you watch these and you're like, how did they get away with this? Because it is so obvious. There's nothing subtle no. about them. But it is also the fact that the lack of subtlety makes them so endearingly entertaining as well. Because it's basically doing what it meant to do. It wants to take all your favorite pieces of your favorite movies and put them together, but they don't have a budget to make it just as so. But at the same time, it's what you want to see. Well, this was that creative kid in the sandbox that was able to take your He-Man action figures and make them work with the G.I. Joes, and then he took like your Transformers and threw them all in. And, and made something epic. And it made sense, Yeah, ideally. But it showed you kind of the power of imagination and why not? Why can't we combine all of these things? But also, again, because it's kind of illegal. Exactly. 
Exactly. Because it's kind of like, you know, not your shit. They play very fast and very loose with the IP on a lot of these things. And talking about international horror, we often mention that there's kind of a discipline to it. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of stuff that can be lost in cultural translation, cultural context. But then occasionally, there's some things that's not so much lost that is just stolen. Borrowed. Borrowed. There we go. Borrowed. This is an IOU, my friend. Right. From the get-go, we planned on on giving that back. I I promise I'll pay you back. But no, Enzo Castellari explored all different kind of genres. He was responsible for The Inglorious Bastards. Um, One of my all-time favorite Western titles, Kill Them All and Come Back Alone. That's that's epic, right? There's something wonderful about Italian cinema in general, whether it be the westerns, the horror, but well, and it's so funny niche drama or it's niche genre. Very much so in the fact that even in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, DiCaprio's characters, I gotta go make Italian westerns and getting all upset about it, like it was a purgatory for a while. But they made some cool movies, very cool movies. And it should be noted, Castellari also dipped his toe. In the Jawsploitation Water, in 1981, he produced The Last Shark. Uh-oh. So he also, that's another one. I've seen that. I've seen that. I need to seek it out, though, um, because... If it The Last Shark, does that mean it's set in the future? Like, there's only one shark left, and he's the man-eater. And if it's true to Mark Gregory, it's going to have a flowing mane that goes along... Beyond his scuba gear. Ooh, I like that. I yeah. like that. But we are going to seek it out, but... Enzo was not the only Italian master in the game there Mm-mm. when it comes to taking IP and Cronenberging them yes. together. And leads us to the uh, Bruno Mattei. Now, Bruno Mattei, <laughs> here recently on the I've Seen That Challenge, which is something that we do on Patreon, where I do these little 10 to 15 minute reaction to movies I'm watching for the first time. And I've seen several of his films throughout this. I'm filling in my Mattei gap as it is. <laughs> And it's a weird gap to fill, my I friend. I know. You might want to be careful with that. <laughs> it might be illegal because you're playing with a you're lot of different all, parts. Yeah, there's a lot of different pieces that have to be filled into that Matai gap. But the couple of the films that I've watched recently, and I know one of them also you, ch- you ch- uh, checked out as well, was Robo War. Uh, Predator. And RoboCop. And Predator 4, yeah. Very, I mean, so obvious and blatant. A hundred percent, where it was like, uh, instead of stick around, what did he say? He said... Uh, I can't um, stick close by. It's it. It's again. It's the the RC cola. Yeah. Of, of but which isn't bad. I subsisted on that as a youth. I Loved fucking it. love RC cola. But it was just so obvious that it's part Predator, part RoboCop. Mm-hmm. But all fun. So much fun. Um, had a chance to see Zombie Three. I like Zombie Three. I knew of it. I knew the fact that it was a copy and paste job as well because it's half, it's Dawn of the Dead and it's halfway through. The original director came out, and Bruno Matai came in and cleaned up. And you can tell there are little bits where you're like, oh, Bruno. And I remember watching it for the first time, uh, and then I saw Bruno Matai's name come out. We're like, yay! And then also, Shocking Dark I saw for the first time as well. I haven't seen Shocking Dark. Well, have you seen Aliens? Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Terminator? Mm-hmm. You've seen Shocking Dark. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the brilliance of Bruno Matai, I think, that he's just not apologetic. No. He makes a fun movie. He is that creative kid in the sandbox. 
that is taking all of these things. All your favorite pieces. I would love to see him do an Avengers movie. Right. Where you get to take all these great things and put them all together. No, his his movie, his Avengers movie would have Batman and it would have Spider-Man and it would have like Blank Man. Turkish Superman. Yeah, Turkish exactly. Turkish Spider-Man. It would have the Adam West Batman. You know, it would have like all sorts of shit and like Darth Vader for no reason. Oh, oh of course. Of yeah. course. We'll get to that Star Wars <laughs> thing. <laughs> but that's a way, a long way of me getting around to saying I legitimately enjoy his films. Yeah. I have been thoroughly entertained. I know they're low budget, but what he has, he puts it up on the screen. They are 100% copies they of, of movies. <laughs> Unapolog- I mean, in some of them, there's even footage from the movies inserted as scenes. And but it's again, he's he's like an the ultimate omelet chef. He's putting all these weird concoctions together. He's like the stoner buddy that like man, if you take if you take uh, sour cream and onion potato chips and you take some macaroni salad, right? You cut up a little bit of ham and he's just throwing all these different things that you wouldn't think that works. And then you put a little bit of honey and then you let it on fire, dude. It's delicious, right? <laughs> and then one day you're like. Okay, prove it. And he's like, you got any bacon bits? Maybe. Oh, you wouldn't have it having tortilla chips. Like, okay. Next thing you know, you're like, God damn, this crunchy salad is delicious. So a cinematic alchemist or that is so, that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's just. (laughs) Drop the mic. Thesis statement completed. This is one of the, because it's. Good, bad, or indifferent, blatant theft or loving homage, he makes entertaining films because exactly like you said, he takes what you like and what you like about those movies and boils it down to a low-budget essence, and it's not just throwing it at a wall and seeing what sticks. He's like throwing – he's putting it on the fan first and then throwing it at the wall. And it oscillates as well. Right. So – and it works. It makes the Jackson Pollock of cinema. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Which leads us to 1995's Cruel Jaws, also known as The Beast, also known as Jaws 5. <laughs> now, it should be noted... The that, second to last shark. <laughs> should be noted this came out in 1995, a year before Steven Spielberg unleashed Jurassic Park on us. Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg, back in 1975, unleashed Jaws on us. So we started the month in 1975... We're ending it in 1995, 20 years after the fact. We still have, and this is just showing you that how strong the Jawsploitation yeah. continues. Um, a number of films came out in 1995. I was kind of looking over at this. Um, it's kind of crazy. There was a made-for-TV movie called Piranha. Really? Really. Now, guess now. what's going to kill you is who stars in it. William Catt? And James Karen as the governor. Get the fuck out of town. So you guarantee if it's falling into a jawsploitation kind of thing, the governor is going to be responsible for yeah. not doing something. Having James Cameron, like, why didn't you close the beaches? Oh! Someone's berating James Cameron. Even if it's a made for TV, I need to seek that out because I did not know that existed. So I'm glad I did a little bit of the research on this. Fuck yeah. But there are a number of films that came out in 1995 on the big screen. Cruel Jaws was not one of those. No. Cruel Jaws came out to... Just on video only. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I was thinking as we were watching this, this, it, the whole entire movie, also if, to give you a feel of what we're trying to like, it feels like the birth of the sci-fi channel. And it kind of is because 
it feels like, and it, not the whole Mega Shark versus right. Shocktopus bright with a lot of different CGI, but back in the day, back in the day, like late. To like late nineties, yep. early two thousand sci fi gentlemen, they had sci fi movies. They would get direct to video movies and they would put them on and call them sci fi originals. And that's what this felt like. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that was to me some of the golden days of the sci fi channel. Well, yeah, and I mean you had filmmakers like a Mike Mendez coming through and you know creating films that like the Big Ass Spider that call you know throwbacks to those kind of things. Um, it should be noted that uh, this is actually getting a Blu-ray release from from Severin Films, and of course Severin. Well, of course Severin. Not, I wouldn't have been surprised this one of vinegar syndrome. <laughs> a little too chaste for vinegar syndrome. Yes, as it turns out. But I'm throwing this out here to you. Um, what was your familiarity with this uh, before I mentioned it? I can't even say I've seen that. Okay, I've never even heard of Cruel Jaws, but you said an Italian shark, and it's nothing what I thought it was going to be. Uh, nothing what I thought it was going to be. Uh, what were you thinking then, potentially? Violence. I was thinking a lot of what the fuckery. And on that end, I, that end, I got it. That end, I got it. But at the same time, I was expecting pieces at sea. That makes sense. You know sense. what I'm saying? I was expecting where, So it like, wasn't exa- it's exactly it, what you... Not, not what I was yeah. thinking of, right? I was expecting, like, because when you think Italian movie you think either you think very bloody especially a horror movie so a lot of good chum yeah <laughs> spicy meatballs <laughs> and like and just kind of nonsensical but in the end it works sure and in a way i got two out of three that ain't bad with cruel jaws no but cruel jaws is the holy roman empire of shark movies because it's neither cruel nor jaws because this is a very chaste movie for what I was expecting. And I don't know if it was my own baggage or just it was chaste in general. Well, I think both. I mean, technically, we opened with a PG rated horror film mm-hmm. with the original Jaws. And I also, too, do have a few expectations going in based on Bruno Mattai's work. And the name Cruel Jaws. Yes. And also, Italians are good with sharks. Yeah. Fulci gave us the zombies. Classic- Right, zombies and sharks versus cat holes. So, so like, there's a there's a good pedigree going on here, a good legacy. Um, I was anticipating, and this is horrible to say, but we watched the trailer yes, for this. Yes, we did. And I'm also usually against that, but I wanted to get an idea of what I was going in for because right. I knew of the legacy of the film, the fact that it was such a blatant Jaws ripoff, which we'll go into how much truly. It plays into that. And you hear that and then throw in the Italian filter of what we know and see. You're and expecting. given the, and you mentioned it. The pedigree of. Meta- uh, well, also, there's a particular moment in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'll give you credit for the joke, but the Mac and me of shark movies. Yeah, it's the Mac and me because this little girl in the wheelchair gets thrown in. Meanwhile, there's a shark rampage. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this the Mac and me? Is this snacking me? <laughs> and that's just it. I was like, OK, I'm in. Like, right. I need to know at least. <laughs> And given the nature of the... You think that's what exactly is going to happen. It could be fair game. In Robo Wars, it was bloody and violent. I mean, it was... It was, was Zombie 3 is bloody and violent? Yeah. It, he has a pedigree of being bloody and violent. A lot of Italians in my has... Do you think potentially then, in a weird way, this was Bruno Mattai's way of going more family friendly? I think so. I think this is my big break into, into the big Hollywood because it had a lot of... But it almost seemed out of time. 
because it oh, had I a think... lot of movies from the 80s influence, but it was done in the 90s filter because it was 100% boner jam. It, it was in a, in a chase, a PG boner jam. It's it's so many different things, which lays true to his style. Yes. Um, now, your choice here. Do we want to talk about the, the narrative structure and how it ties to the Jaws films, or shall we talk first about all the various tropes and uh types of films that are thrown together in this film i think we have to go with well let's stick with sharktober and like get that out of okay, the way first okay. because in the bare bones of it there's a shark, there story. A shark story there's a shark story in there and well, it's just the rest of everything else around it well it does absolutely follow the structure of the original Jaws. 100%. It's the Young Hooper Chronicles. Yes, it is. And I mean, there are certain points in this film where you can go, okay, here's where we are with Jaws because they will do almost the exact same lines, mm-hmm. the exact same scenarios. The exact same locations, the exact same, like, beats. It's it's not comical because I that's what I was anticipating. I was looking for those elements of the original Jaws but I didn't take into the fact that the fact that this is going 20 years later, this is already seven years after Jaws the Revenge, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how much of the Jaws franchise yeah. that this pulls in. This is cliff notes of the entire Jaws canon. This is one, two, three, and four all put together. You know, like in uh, the remake of Friday the 13th, how it's basically crammed the one, two, and the three? First, the 20 minutes in the first two? Yeah, yeah, that's basically this, but haphazardly. But at the end, it works. It's like, it's a long and winding, like, um, thermal thermal current you have to continue to move yeah but you get there it's almost like a mixtape of of some of the greatest hits yeah of all jaws one two three and four sessions presents jaws the the entire franchise it's your maritime mix my friend Mm -hmm. it's yar well so let's just say this um again the narrative structure is just straight up jaws yeah to the the fact that you have a small town looking to go possibly bankrupt because of the you know the inclusion of a tiger shark, not a great white, not a great white, very big distinction there. You can't sue me. This is a tiger shark. But you have the cop that uh, wants to close the beaches. You have the mayor that doesn't want to close the beaches. The young brash uh, oceanographer, absolutely. You know. Oh, you you have everyone accounted for. You have your Brody, your Hooper, your Quint, the mayor. You have the. That's not funny. That's not funny. I don't find that funny at all. She exists somewhat. <laughs> yes, she does. Everyone is, except for Quince number two. Yeah. No, Ed Gain's not in there. He's although not. although they they substitute Ed Gain and add more characters in there. <laughs> A lot of chum yeah. for, our, for our friend the shark there. Now, Jaws number two is very well represented in Cruel Jaws. Yes. <laughs> to the fact that our opening kill is very much in the in the vein of Jaws 2, where you have the two opening divers go in and they're exploring the orca. Mm-hmm. Here in uh, Cruel Jaws, we have apparently someone on waters where they're not supposed to be because they mentioned that you know the, the Navy can come out and they're exploring. The Navy. Can- Technically, you know what they were exploring, I bet, was the, the Cleveland. The Cleveland. Which oh, we... That's nasty. <laughs> which we didn't realize at first. Always forget you have that one in your back pocket. <laughs> That's why, my friend, I programmed Cruel Jaws just for an excuse for you to break that one no, out. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it also plays into some. I'm not going dis- to disclose who the who is demised this way, but in Jaws two, one of the characters is taken out with an explosion in a boat, 
<laughs> we get that in we Cool get Jaws. That too. And then, thankfully, we have Zombies versus Sharks for Fulci. Mm-hmm. Give us, Matei gives us Helicopter versus Sharks. Helicopter versus Sharks. So we get that. We get Jaws 3 because there's a whole oh. set. Uh, a lot of set pieces happen at like a SeaWorld. Like, un- we'll get to Uncle Hogan in a little bit. But <laughs> No, it is straight up SeaWorld. There are specific points that they cribbed exactly from Jaws 3 when you have um, Dennis Quaid and his lady friend. Um, there was, uh, when, oh God, um, Chris, Krista Thompson, mm-hmm. um, from back to the future, Howard, the duck, she's in there. Leah, they're Thompson. In the wa- Leah Thompson. Thank you. Where they're in the water and he has the bullhorn. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yes. To that. Um, also we had Cindy and Sandy in Jaws three with the dolphins. Here we have cookie and Daisy <laughs> and a seal and a seal S- seal shenanigans, seal nanigans, seal nanigans. And and then we have a lot of aerial shots and non sequential like boat montages from oh, part four. Oh, and, and of course, hello, now, hello, and part four as well. Someone mentioned the fact that someone trained this shark <clears throat> to go after certain people, and he was also trained by voodoo <laughs> magic. <laughs> so I'd like to think that uh, every fun aspect of the jaws franchise is explored here but here's the thing it's not just the jaws franchise cinema universe that he takes from oh no no that's also the jaws literary universe that he takes from i'm surprised there wasn't video game scenes in this movie that's the only thing missing i think at this point so i think if you are a fan of jaws the cinematic universe and the novels you might like this one or you might be like cursing it this is one you know what? At the end of the day, this movie is a lot of fun. But oh. let's go into why. Well, this exactly is. because it is a truly a shark film. In fact, you know the last twenty minutes or so were really devoted to that. But as we noticed, probably about fifty minutes into the film, I think we looked at each other and we're like, not that we're needing bloodthirsty maniacs, but we're like, oh, about three people have been killed. This Jaws isn't really cruel, is he? He's not very cruel at all. He's 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 fucking with them, but he's not eating them. It's like let's just like eat people. Well, maybe that's because not only is this a shark movie, but Bruno Mattai decided not to just throw one other specific genre in no. here. He went crazy and made the biggest bucket of chum yeah. that is all of the weirdest films to throw into the shark film. It is insane you have a boner jam with like let's save the rec center something all up breaking something uh-huh. out of hot dog the movie yeah i've seen those movies love them any yeah so let's throw it in let's throw let's put the community aqua rec center in trouble do the kids love the boner jam there bruh? kids love the boner they jam but the it's boner they jam. love the boner jam sharks deal with the universe but it has to be at the pg so let's not have any nudity right another thing that i was I, w- I was good with, but I was anticipating. A lot of nudity and a lot of blood, and we got neither. Nope, not at all. Not at all. Very chase <laughs> again. Again, chase. Another movie, another, like, you know what? Let's throw some mafia intrigue into it. Which I think was a callback to the original plot in the novel of Jaws, but I'm talking like some mob heavies in here that come out of nowhere. Right. So weird. We had we had, and, and we have sharks versus zombies. Now we have zo- sharks versus goons. It's just mafia goons, which is fantastic. We also get a little bit of stuff, star-crossed romance in here we as well. Some, we get some aquatic shark, like not necessarily shark, but in the movie we get the Romeo and the Montagues and the Capulets, but it's like the uh, Mobtagues and the Carpenets. There it is. There it is. 
Um, again, the Save the Rec Center, the shark, just so many things that he's just thrown in there. It almost played like something I would have seen on USA Up All Night. Exactly. And, and then he throws in the fact, like, again, that it's there's a conspiracy aspect of the shark because the shark is trained by the goddamn Navy. In that, like, that's what we heard. That's what we heard. There's like those three lines in there that tops. That's insane. But everything is. And then it's also a Thunder in Paradise lost episode. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something, Fratella. <laughs> the fact that this film is carried by must be our Italian Hulk Hogan. Yeah. But the, he is a dead ringer for Hulk. Terry Bollea. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, but he looks like a smaller because seriously, even young Hooper Towers Hulk Hogan is like Hulk Hogan got like thrown in the dryer and it's <laughs> he's basically, you know how it is Dustin to Sean to mini me. <laughs> yeah. It kind of breaks down that love you both Dustin and Sean and the late great Vern Troyer, but love your brother. Come here. You can blame me, brother. But the minute he showed up. It enhanced the movie for me because throughout the entirety, and I'm here's a spoiler for you know a twenty some year old movie, he doesn't take off his shirt or rip it off at any no, point during the film. Not once. Which let me tell you something, brother. The fact that <laughs> you have a Hulk Hogan lookalike on a boat that at one point should be diving into the water, you cannot tell me there's a reason for him not to rip that shirt off. I know. I waited for him to put the shark in a pile trying the big boot the and big then the big just... the big like leg drop. He could have gone to the top of the boat and done the leg drop onto the, <laughs> the, the shark. tiger shark. And it would have been we would have been so much better for it. And we were thinking why he did he had to have known he looked like he looked like Hulk Hogan when he got casted because he's a dead fucking ringer. And this is 1995. This isn't like Hulkamania had already run through. Yeah, it's dimming a little. You know, we're not quite at the Hollywood Hogan level yeah. yet. Dude, he didn't have 24 inch pythons. He had like 12 inch pythons. It was just, <laughs> but he was, <laughs> but again, <clears throat> the the problem, not problem, but the saving, not not even saving grace. It's hard to describe it because everything it's, I say is going to sound bad, but it's not. I genuinely had a good time. But there was so much confoundingness in this movie. There are juxtapositions. And, you can become very perplexed with this movie if you try to follow along logically. The narrative does somewhat make sense because, again, if you've seen Jaws. You know what this is. You've seen Cruel Jaws. Ba but it's, it's, it's basically a town in peril. And then well, refusing to shut off and shark shenanigans ensue. Well, and also technically you go from like a very serious character study in Jaws the original to something like this where I kind of got a little bit of a Tammy and the T-Rex vibe just because everyone was so kind of absurd at certain points, but they didn't stay that consistently. Some scenes they're partying like you would in society. Yeah. And then the next time we're on like a regatta, almost like in one crazy summer. Did it, did it, did it. I mean, there's a whole like, let's race to save the aquatic center montage regatta footage. And it's like straight out of a boner jam, but it was a great boner jam montage aquatic footage thing. And, but it's out of nowhere. Meanwhile, the shark is breaking down the wall and they're like, did it, did it, did it do, you know? It's nuts. And then it turns into goons. And then all of a sudden, they're back at SeaWorld. And well, this leads us to one of the things that perplexed me. And one of the reasons why we were perplexed are the crazy edits in this movie. There are so many 
breakneck what the fuck we were just in the middle of the scene edit like what the fuck happened we're in the middle of the one guy's speech and then boom that's to like but it's crazy i have counted because i started making a tally where we have a silence of the lamb autopsy scene borrowing from that and you cut to the mayor you have the uh, Chrissy death scene, our first two for the most part, and then it cuts to the seal. Yeah. And I mean, these are abrupt cuts that take you out of it. And Bruno Mattai only has himself to blame because he edited this film. But they were so jarring that I almost kind of looked forward to them. Yeah. Because I'm it like, it became like a drinking game type yes. thing. Because you're it's, like, whoa, shit, where'd that come? Ah, there's another one. Whoa, where the fuck, did, where'd that come from? Because it cut to a scene with more madness. And just when you think like you, there couldn't be more stuff. Like it's following the script of Jaws almost down the middle. But then you throw in the Romeo and Capulet with the whole brother, and then it becomes the Wraith because everybody's slapping the shit out of the sister, oh, just like Cassavetes. There's, there's there's some casual domestic violence A in here amongst by kids everybody. and spouses. It is crazy. That Italian weird translation cultural thing potentially. But it's still Chase. Shut up, you you dingbat! Slap, you know. And but it's not comical. And that's no. the thing about Tammy and the T Rex. They knew they were being goofy. I don't think these the the, the filmmakers knew that they were being goofy because no. everybody puts. You can tell that everybody is trying really hard, and nobody is terrible. No, no, it's nobody's nobody's terrible. It's not like that person's really bad, you know. But it's just done in such a way where there's so much heart in it that you can't help but like. Root for this rat. It's like like the trying rec- to save the rec center, the aquatic rec center. You're rooting for this ragtag group to make it, and abrupt cuts and all. Well, it's you know when you have Hulk Hogan leading your your crew, right? You cannot but help but be just naturally inspired. Dude, hots Hogan out the seals. <laughs> wow. Oh, that see now that that's the one thing that Bruno Matai didn't throw in there, but it naturally fits. Like. <laughs> I could program Cruel Jaws and Hots, right? and you would have the connective tissue where you can make sense with that. <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. We're going to have a wet t-shirt contest. Like, <laughs> what you going to do when Pygate of Thama runs over you? Well, the seal himself actually throws in... Seal manigans a couple of times because it's he so throws goofy. Them in the, it's, it, well, and again, that's where you get... The crazy cuts, but then also the this basically just the uh, the uh, the contrast with the shenanigans with the deaths that ultimately really hit hard at the very end. They're supposed to hit hard, but they also when they do again, the music is everything is a oh. juxtaposition because I remember the part where he goes, "Yeah, he we just got finished being introduced to Hogan's daughter who is in a wheelchair." Yes, which adds to the <clears throat> snack and me portion, right? And then they're talking about how this kid died. It was uh, it was his shark. mother and her that got in an accident, which led her. And again, and it's this somber stuff. Somber thing. And then all of a sudden you hear in the background. Loudly, loudly. It was like it, like it was supposed to be part of the background music. Or not, it was supposed to be the foreground music to set the note. That's how loud it was. And you just can't help it. Like, holy shit, what's going on here? Well, there were multiple moments throughout the movie where the music contrasted weirdly. And sometimes it enhanced it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it made it funny. But then sometimes it took us out. Now, Michael Morahan is the responsible. He composed mm. the pieces in this movie. <laughs> now, we've talked about the kind of the borrowing, the IOUs. There's a moment in this score that is 
so Star Wars that I did think I was watching the Turkish version of Cruel Jaws. Yeah, I was waiting for like Jaws to get attacked by X-Wings. You know, like almost like Frank Drebin style. They're under the water. Dun, 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 dun. And now, did he literally copy and paste, or was that just his no, way of just it was Star Wars sneak it, it was in there? Fucking one hundred percent Star Wars, and it happens twice. Yes, like it's ballsy enough to do it that first time. Uh-huh. But I love the fact though that we we opened with John Williams and we kind of kind of close with John Williams, even though it's not Jaws, it's not Star Wars. It's Ron Williams. <laughs> But maybe not weirdly enough, Michael uh, Morhan never composed anything after this. So, see, Your Honor, this is a cease and desist order from John Williams and the Amblin Estate. <laughs> I would not be shocked with that. Um, now, we've talked a little bit about the cast, the score. Let's talk about the shark. <laughs> the shark. When, 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 it was, when it was practical, when it was their shark, it was adorable. And that's the thing. Did he, did he have a jabber jaw kind of thing going on, do you think? Slightly. <laughs> I'm going to bite this poison. Because he wasn't all that menacing. He was adorable. He really was. He was absolutely adorable. The shark, when it was when it was actually their shark, because, again, this was, they, t- they literally, it, it's shown that they're taking, they have took footage from the original Jaws. Oh. They took footage from Jaws 2. They took footage from Deep Blood, and they took footage from The Last Shark, and they put it in this movie. He borrowed from Castellari? Yes. Oh, I think that's, that's a no-no. Is that Castellari-ception? <laughs> that's I, like the, the, the wormhole. I'm not shocked, though. I'm not shocked. But, but there's there were- so much, because like half of it, remember I was saying, like, and here the shark is going to eat the lo- the lonely hunter and prey. You're expecting the voiceover on everything. Yeah, but it looks cool. I mean, no. the way he does it looks cool. But it, then when it comes into Jabberjaw and he's eating people, like, I'm going to eat you. Well, and they, they very, excuse me, very much try to say it's a tiger shark. It is very much obvious a great white it in totally all the stock is. footage. Like I'm really surprised that they didn't, like, you know, oh. just take the Jabberjaw and put, like, stripes on it. Well, I was looking for the navy tattoo on the shark at that point. He when did he was have one. Did you see that? It was behind his gills. Mm-hmm. That means he's really tough. He's a prison shark. <laughs> he's got like three little like fucking uh, surfboards instead of teardrops right there. He's got Kittner R.I.P. written on. <laughs> I don't find that funny at all. <laughs> Beat me to the punch there, my friend. Uh- Shit, but we this... got a full-on regatta, kind of, in this movie, yeah, which I remember growing <laughs> up via Jaws 2, via One Crazy Summer. It was always a fanciful thing. Very fanciful. It was like the Catalina wine mixer, but for boats. Bam. Yeah. That would have existed within this movie. I don't think Bruno Matai probably isn't planning somewhere to make his stepbrothers s comedy where he's going to take Ricky Bobby, he's going to take Ron Burgundy, he's going to take all these IP, uh, you know. 40-year-old Bergen's going to be in there. Bruno Matai was the kind of guy, he's not quite, you know, like the 40-year-old virgin who knocked me up or like I scream if I saw what you did last, those true, kind of things. True, He's not, He it, but he does definitely take what he liked and he puts it together because like there was even like 80s teen boner jam when they all came out dressed up like ninjas i so it should be said against the shark now we did watch this uh, on a really rough uh copy on youtube with japanese subtitles and let, let me just say this because of that i'm going to be buying this blu-ray anyway uh dr rebecca McKendry has a uh, little portion on it as well so i'm looking forward to that it's aquatic horror that's her thing mm-hmm. um 
but I do want to see actually like a 2K, you know, restoration of this film because a lot was lost in the pixelation. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be a visually arresting film, but I'd like to see maybe, you know, how the sharks played, especially in that intro scene when you have this like, like cunning carnivorous thing it seemed like he was he was like, blocking him in and then he waited for him he sealed one entrance like he can't come out and that's the thing you're thinking this whole time the shark is going to come out and he's going to be smart he's going to be orca level where he's going to fuck with the whole town and in a way he does right. even when he starts picking people off the regatta one by one but the fact of the matter is that they don't show shit. No, no. And you do get the reveal at the beginning with the mod and the mangled body, which... And then there's mod. And that's what I thought we were going to get a little bit more of, but mm-hmm. we never really did. Now, that being said, uh, kind of ending and closing our month of shark shenanigans with a PG and technically an unrated movie... Um, For being as chaste as it was with the unrated... I a mean, lot of F-bombs, was- not, not, not the bad ones. Oh, but that was a great one, though. Like, you didn't do what I asked. You know what? He goes, he goes, you fat fuck. The way he just yells at this. We, we both bowled over. That was a great delivery. But also, again, when he's throwing into this, the fat fuck that he's talking to wasn't one. He wasn't that fat. Right. He was just like uh, this land developer. And that's where the mafia aspect comes in. And one of the crazy cuts is from some of the sea shenanigans to the mob boss, which I thought it was going to be our introduction of a Quint to character. The Quint style. Because the way it's cut, I was like, I even said, oh, there's our Quint. I like to go swimming with bow-legged women, right? Just cut. Not quite Quint. Not quite Quint, no. <laughs> it's but, not quite Jaws, but it is Jaws. But and then here comes the mafia, and then next thing we know, we get Razor Ramon and Clint Howard coming out of nowhere being mafia goons. like, And then we have... Poison fish. I mean, we have like the whole like rec center, like being fucked with aspect of it. They threw it out that we might get a little pip action. I know. Thankfully, they didn't. I was getting pissed. I was like, first of all, they fucking poisoned a dolphin. You never poison a dolphin well, on poipus. It was your. <sighs> but like. Well, I'm glad you all aren't paying for that one. <laughs> I'm paying for it my right now. But it was our bullies that are doing it as well, which made me then want their comeuppance a little bit more, which... Which is ridiculous. Everybody got great comeuppance, but it was the Batman. It wasn't the comeuppance you wanted. It was the the comeuppance you deserved. Because you want them to see them get gnawed to death. Instead, they get, spoilers, blown the fuck up. But by their... Hoisted upon their own petard. And so it's like... It's, and, it, and it's such an, a great Jaws oh, 2 theft. Because she almost like, Bob, it wasn't like, it was a scared yell. Oh, it, yeah. It was ridiculous, but it was wonderful. Oh, it, it was the best kind of ridiculous. Well, it was one that in a theater, you would get a response. Yes. That's the one where people are like, yes. This would have been a great video vortex. Oh, what a weird Wednesday. Absolutely. Yes. And it's one that if you haven't seen Jaws. You're okay. You're okay because you will learn everything you need to know. If you haven't seen any like boner jam or save the rec center, it's okay. They got you covered. If you haven't seen a mob, mo- well, not a, you, you see Goodfellas, but like- <laughs> well, you know Bruno Mattei, he is the ultimate uh, cliff note director. You know, if you want to taste a McTiernan and Beethoven, go watch Robo War. If you want to get a bigger chopper. <laughs> oh, there. That's right. That they incorporated that. Of course, again. All the little Jaws stuff that's thrown in there as a reminder, we've got we've got Jaws two, we got Jaws three, we got Jaws four, but this truly we're trying to stay with the Jaws format. There's even a little bit of Pee Wee's Big Adventure in there too. 
Francis. <laughs> Officer Francis Buxton. <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. Final thoughts here, genius on Cruel Jaws. This is not a good movie, but it's a great movie. Yeah. I will say, if I only had one criticism, it clocked in at an hour 37. But it seems so much longer this than that. This one needs to be 85 minutes. Yeah. And he's usually good about that. He is. But I think the problem with this, he threw too, too much. much. And he goes, I got to wrap this up somehow. But that's the thing. I liked. Okay, I didn't didn't like the ending. I liked the ending because although... It was all over the place, like not tonally, but just structurally. It was everywhere, but it did get all wrapped up. Yeah. But the end, the comeuppance for the shark was very anticlimactic for yes, me. Yes, it was. And for being cruel, Jaws, he was, like I said, he was the Holy Roman Empire. He was neither cruel nor Jaws. He was fake Jaws. He was dentures because he didn't. There wasn't a lot of shark carnage that we saw. But, again, it wasn't the carnage that we deserved. It was the one we got. We got Richard Creel. Yeah. You know. But, again, it, it wrapped up at the end with, like, shenanigans. Seal nanigans. Yeah, you start with the seal nanigans. You end with the seal nanigans. And everyone's happy at the end. And I was like, that's it. You know, it did It did do what it's supposed to by wrapping everything up. But it kind of left me wanting a little bit more, especially, like, knowing what i saw before certainly well i i think at one point in the film i mentioned i was like well you know what if they kill off the little kid it's going to be an instant buy for me yeah <laughs> and i hate to say that and sound that callow and crass but, but in this kind of movie what we were expecting we're wanting to see crazy carnage but i'll be honest i am going to go ahead and buy it because i think this is a movie now that you can throw in after jaws yeah you can throw in like i said with hots uh you could throw in with the wraith this is a great party movie. Yes. A background movie. This is a good because you, it's shark talk footage, basically. Um, Everyone loves that. Exactly. But it's also one of those fun movies. You do not watch this seriously. No. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Is, I Listen. This is hard ticket to SeaWorld. This is like. It's a hard ticket to SeaWorld. This is the South Miami connection. This is like. <laughs> this is this is like that. It it's, is. Don't take it seriously. Have fun. You know, maybe have a, a couple of drinks, you know, and just enjoy it. It's yeah. one of those great, like, fun party movies. And that's just it. I'm glad we explored that yeah. one and we closed out this month of Shark Shenanigans with Honestly, that. I would have been cracking up by myself watching this movie. But the fact that I got to watch it with you was even better because then we would feed off each other's Absolutely. jokes. But it, oh, yeah. there's Trust me. There's a few things in here that were like, write, gotta that, write down. that down. Yeah, write that down. That's a good joke. So... <laughs> No, I'm glad this was one to uh, take in. Now, we are close. This does close out the month of September. Here in the month of October, we do have everything lined up. In mm -hmm. fact, we are going to be giving you guys a preview of what Screenland has up for coming up, coming here for Shocktober mm -hmm. with a uh, good friend, Adam Roberts. And we do have some other special guests lined up here in October. And not to hype it up too much, but our October Halloween episode. October 30th. That's going to be our most scariest episode to date in terms of movies we've talked about this one truly terrifying um and contains a number of things that the people we love uh -huh. um and we'll get a little bit more into it as we get closer into the month disturbing and taboo very much so so of course october is wonderful we cannot wait to share it with you and of course uh over on uh patreon i should say 
on Monday, as this episode comes out, we are going to be giving our thoughts on Glenn Danzig's Veronica. <laughs> yes, thank you, Shudder, for giving us access to that. Tell your children not to hear the show. <laughs> so until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. You fat fuck. <laughs>